Well, it is Thanksgiving, and one of those beautiful things about Thanksgiving is the chance that we have to sit down frequently with people. We take a pause, and we, uh, we eat together. We, uh, we have the chance to be together. One of the most beautiful things that you can do in that time is uh, to appreciate the people that are around you. And sometimes that's not always easy because sometimes we make it hard for people to appreciate us. So when you're together, try hard to be the ones that bring it together. Enjoy those relationships. So uh, that love is part of it. You know what they say about love, right? They say that love is a mystery. And this is part three of our series, Sticky Love. And here we're going to look at some secrets of uh, some plans, some strategies for staying in love. What can we do to stick together? So today we're going to look into a couple of mysteries. The first one, for those of you who, uh, who want to be in love, for those of you who are in love, and for those of you who are trying to get back into love, here's the mystery. How is it that two people can come and they stand at the altar and they swear in front of all their friends and family that they will love each other? forever. I have eyes for no other. You're the only one for me. This couple, they're at the altar, right? Till death do us part. And then 17 months or two years or five years or 10 years or 30 years later, they they look at each other and they hate each other. And the mystery deepens when you realize that this couple now hate each other more than they hate any other people on the planet. That's just weird, isn't it? A mystery. And that person that they stood here and they gave their deepest vow to is now the person that they despise the most. And whenever that person comes to their mind, their jaw clenches. They can't say a nice thing. And so sometimes we choose not to say anything. They stop using the name of that person. And they start using a title. They start speaking to you as if it was a relationship through someone else. They say, well, that, that's Timmy's dad, right? Or you mean the ex-wife. Why do these people not hate serial killers? The, the savage political dictators, cat owners, war criminals, those, those people who do absolutely horrible things. And they say, well, you know what? Yeah, I know about that. And that's, you know what? That's really too bad. And you hear about horrific crimes and, and mass murders. They well, Man, that really is too bad. That's no good. But then you think of your ex-wife or your ex-boyfriend or your ex-fiancé and things get downright hostile. The blood boils. You can feel the anger rise. And isn't that kind of weird that we have that response? So we're going to try and explain a little bit about that today. So here's another thing that we're going to try to do. Here's another mystery. Uh, mystery. You know when you, get, uh, you come across people and they're kind of in that process of splitting up? And, you know, well, we just don't love each other anymore, right? And so then you press a little bit there because you're invasive and you're rude. And uh, Do you think that a year from now, two years from now, do you think that you might love someone else? Do you think that you might fall in love again? Do you think that you ever might want to be married again? And I say, well, well, yeah. Yeah, I could be open to that. 
And you, and you have the same conversation with, with their partner. You know, what do you think? Do you think that you might ever want to fall in love again? Maybe get married again? Well, I guess, you know, eventually, after some time. So let me get this straight. Both of you can't stand each other. But both of you are open to the possibility of falling in love with someone else. A new relationship. Yeah, that's right. Sounds about accurate. Well, here's an idea. Why don't you just fall in love with each other again? Wouldn't that be the least painful, the least expensive, the least traumatizing, the least uh, family-hurting, least, least kid-damaging pathway? I mean, if you're going to fall in love again anyways, why not just fall in love with each other again? Because this has got to be the least expensive option out there. And they'll look at you. <laughs> they will look at you, right? The eyes, and you'll get it from the eyes, but you'll get it from words as well. And they'll say stuff like, you just don't understand. And they have a point. I know that it is not just that simple, right? And today, I want to look at why it's just not that simple. So do you remember what we started with a couple weeks ago with the premise that we started with? It was a question way back in week one. The question we asked, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? And even if I told you, no, it's not possible, it doesn't matter. You would try it anyway. We think that we are all candidates, that somehow I've got a special in on this because somewhere out there is someone special, that special candidate, and we all know that person as the right person. And if I could just find the right person We'll fall in love, and then regardless of my past, and regardless of my family, and regardless of my experiences, and regardless of the surrounding culture that I live in, surely there is a way for me to fall in love and then stick in love. It's in you to want that. It's in me to want that. And I think we all want a soulmate. And I think that's part of the fingerprint of God on you. I think that's part of the image of God that just sort of shines through us as people. We've also said that the beginning to this pathway um, to bringing this to life is to make love. To, 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 to stay in love, you've got to make love, a verb, right? And we talked about how to learn like Jesus and allowing Jesus to be the model that we now follow. That's how we're doing. And so we are remodeling our life. We're going to love like Christ loved us. And, and, and what a wonderful idea. And maybe, maybe the last time when we talked about that, you sat there and you reminisced a little bit about what has happened in your life. And you reminisced a little bit about what happened in your friend's life or maybe your parent's life. And you heard that and you thought, yeah, but it's not that simple. And you're right. It's not that Simple. It would be simple, you know, if, if uh, just to keep putting the other person first. That would work totally, and it could be if. If we all came into the relationship with a heart that was full 
and a heart that was very, very healthy. And if you and your partner, your fiance, your spouse both came into the relationship and there had been nothing but awesome, amazing, wonderful relationships in your past, if your mom and dad were the perfect parents who managed to treat you exactly as you needed to be treated, and of course, that wasn't going to be like your siblings. If that had happened. Sure, you know, you remember with mom and dad, there were still some bumps along the way. Of course, there's always some bumps, but you still loved mom and dad, and you felt loved by mom and dad. Your friends, they were great. Oh, man, no drama. Never did anyone abuse you. Nobody ever made fun of you or took advantage of you or mistreated you. And life was always full of love, joy, affirmation, and acceptance. (coughs) And if you entered into that relationship and your heart was so full of good, and then then you had a spouse who also had a, a life that was like that, you could find it easy to put the other person first all the time. And then you could stay in love. But couples don't come into romantic relationships with that kind of a past. We all travel with our baggage, right? We've all been dinged up a little bit on the road. Relationally, we've had some bad examples. We've had some bad times. We all have had our issues, and we all know people who have got issues. There were money issues. There were drug issues. Alcohol issues, sexual issues, family issues. We all have issues. And whenever you enter into romantic relationships, our hearts are just not in great shape. There was actually stuff in us from previous relationships, from from just living in the world that we're around, from being part of our culture. We bring all of that stuff, all of that baggage into our new relationship. And so I wanted to try and illustrate this for you. And to do that, I have a couple of friends here. I want to introduce them to you. This is Mr. Mug, and this is Mrs. Mug. Hello, I'm Mr. Mug. Hi, I'm Mrs. Mug. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, they met each other right out of university, okay? And like many people, they just clicked, got together. He saw her, and she saw him, and she look at my degree and my future. And he said, Yeah, well, look at my degree and my future. And it was true. Each had a degree and each had a future to pay off all their debts. And so they started dating and they started hanging out together, right? And when they first started hanging out together, they were all so incredibly careful. He's trying to win her heart and she's trying to win his affection. They were just so careful, And of course, they had a few little problems along the way. Everyone does, right? There were some bumps in the relationship, but they were still trying to be so careful. Everything is going along. It's wonderful. Next, they got married, and and then about a month into their marriage, there's this, they had a little problem. And stuff came out. And they turn to look at each other. And he looks at her. And he says, whoa! 
Where did all of that come from? And then she looks at him and she says, well, I didn't know that you had anger issues. Well, I didn't have any anger issues until you came along and kept going at me. Whoop, there it is again. There's another problem. So she turns and she goes to visit her sister. And, 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 and he, well, no, she, she says, um, I didn't know that he was like that. And he, well, he goes to see, well, he went over to, okay, he's a man. He didn't go and talk to anyone. So he goes to the bar <laughs> and, and, and he has a couple of drinks and he sits and he thinks, now she makes me so mad whenever she brings that up. You know, it comes out. It just makes me so mad. And I wish she would just quit doing that thing. Why does she keep bringing that up? And if she didn't bring that up, then I wouldn't be so mad. Why would she do that? I think my wife has issues. So they, they come back together. And he says, when we were dating... I didn't see any of this. And so she says, every time we get into an argument, you make me act that way. We can have some fun in church, can't we? <laughs> right? Now, here is, is what I want you to see from our stunning actors. Mr. Mug thinks that the reason that blue beads come out of him is because they are in conflict and she keeps bumping him. And Mrs. Mug thinks that the reason that they keep having these pink beads come out, we're having problems, is because he keeps bumping her. <clears throat> but we're outside of it, right? We can stand here and we can look at it. We can see in and we can see the truth. The reason that the blue beads come out of Mr. Mug is because that's what's in there. The reason that the pink beads come out of Mrs. Mug is because that's what's in there. All of us have stuff in us. And, and, and you don't know what it is until you get bumped. And most of us, we don't get a real hard bump until we get into a romantic relationship, a relationship that we have now committed to. There's just something about romance and commitment and the processing of all those commitments we made to each other on that day that we got married. There is something <coughs> about that that just brings out the absolute best in us and the absolute worst in us. And this is why people who make that big commitment to each other, uh, they get madder at each other than at any other people. And he is just absolutely sure that the blue beads come out because she keeps doing that thing. She keeps doing it. Why does she do that? Why does she keep doing it? 
She doesn't know what she's doing. Does she know? She must know what she's doing to me. But the truth is that the blue beads come out because they are in there. And she's absolutely sure that if he would just stop, well, if he would just start, okay, well, if he would quit, if he would do less of, if he would do more than the pink beads, would quit coming out. But the reason that they come out is because that's what's in there. All of us have stuff that's in there. And all of us blame the person that we are most in love with for what comes out of us. But the reason that it comes out of us is because that's what's in us. And romantic relationships bring it out like nothing else. Is there a witness? Is there anyone else who has felt this in your life? That this is, you know what I'm talking about? So what do we do? The answer is pretty simple. But it's something that most of us, we just don't do. We have to learn to pay attention to what is going on inside of us. The writer of Proverbs, he gets this. It's the same stuff that comes up in Matthew chapter 15. And Jesus says all the same sort of stuff, and he addresses it, and he's got illustrations that go with it. But let's just zoom in on this one verse, to laser focus down into one place. Proverbs 4, 23. And the guy who wrote Proverbs, he's a really smart guy, okay? He wrote Proverbs, he wrote Ecclesiastes, he wrote the Song of Solomon. He knows a lot of stuff. He's been through it. He's seen a lot of stuff. And he starts by saying, above all else, right? Which means what I'm about to tell you is more important than everything else that I've told you. All that other stuff, this is more, that's important, this is more important. Above all else. If if you're only going to remember one thing that I've got to say to you, that it's going to make a difference to your life, remember this one thing. Guard your heart, which means pay attention to what is going on on the inside. The heart in that culture, and we still use it kind of this way as well, the heart represents the seat of emotions. This is where emotions come from. Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, says, guard it, right? He says, pay attention, guarded. Keep the bad stuff out. Guard means to protect what's valuable, to keep out the thieves, to protect and defend your heart. So let's have some fun, all right? Turn to the person next to you and you tell them, share with them your strategy for guarding your heart. Yeah, like most of us were going, what? I've never even thought of that before. What does that even mean, guard your heart? And since that's the way I think that most of us would respond, I think it's reasonable to take that next step to say that none of us are actually doing what King Solomon says is the most important thing to do. Guard your heart. And what you've already discovered, if you've ever been in a romantic relationship, if you've ever been in love before, is that what's inside of you comes out in the relationship that you are, that, that's most important to you. <clears throat> you may have blamed it on the other person, but when you discovered that when you got into another relationship, your pink beads keep coming out. Four relationships later, blue beads are still flying out of you so weird. You say, well, I've dated, 
Uh, I've been in relationships. I've been, I've been married to four different women who all seem to have the same issue. They have this same issue over and over and over again. And every time we have a problem, they bring these blue beads out of me. I need to find somebody who can draw something else out of me. And Solomon says, this is why you need a plan to develop a a plan, a strategy for guarding your heart. So let let me tell you um, something that we are really, really good at. We are not really good at uh, uh, guarding our heart, but we have superpowers when it comes to monitoring our partner's behavior, right? We are really good at looking at what they do and they don't do. What they say and what they don't say. We are world class at noticing and pointing out what they shouldn't do and what they shouldn't say. We are great at monitoring behavior. We are horrible at monitoring our hearts. And in your relationship with the one that matters to you the most, you want to feel a certain way. That's why you want to be in the relationship because of the way you feel. You want to feel loved. You want to feel pretty. You want to feel uh, competent and confident. You want to be respected and cherished. You want to feel cared for. Like You never sat down and wrote out and made a list of what you wanted to, but you want to feel certain things. And your husband or your wife or your partner or your fiance or your, your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, whatever the words are that you want to describe that relationship, whatever those things are that are important to you, their words and their actions elicit certain feelings from you. So when you try to get them to, to, to start doing something or to stop doing something, oftentimes we don't see the connection. We don't, we don't see the overlap here. Um, but we want them to do what we want them to do because that will aid us in feeling a certain way. And after all, we were all drawn into this relationship because of emotion, right? Remember, you fell in love. I just love the way you make me feel. It's normal for us to want to keep this emotion alive. And so we monitor their behavior. We monitor their behavior to get them to stop doing things and to stop saying things because we don't like the way those things make us feel. Or we like the way that they make us feel, and we want more of that, right? We want more of that emotion. We want more of that adrenaline. We want more of that passion, that stuff that makes me feel good and alive. And that is all absolutely normal. The problem, the problem that we get into is that when we come to depend on these things, It just happens, right? And then we grow in our dependence to a huge, huge way that we depend on our spouse or our partner to create these feelings for us. I'm dependent on you to make me feel confident. I'm dependent on you to make me feel competent, to make me feel valued, to make me cherished, um, so that I feel lovable. I'm depending on you to make me feel these things. And that all goes on behind the curtain of every single love relationship. And it's all entirely normal. 
And if we all came with only good inside us, then, then that probably would be okay, and this all would kind of work out by itself. But it doesn't. Because we come into the relationship with all kinds of stuff on the inside of us. And what's on the inside eventually makes its way to the outside. And when this stuff comes out of us that we don't like, our tendency is to blame the person who brought it out of us. But it was all in us to begin with. Now, here's the part that I think that your experience will bear out, um, bear witness to, that you can be able to resonate with. Because of our time today, I don't have the time to prove this to you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, and I think that you'll resonate, but, you know, I'm just telling you in advance. We're not going to prove it. Your ability to feel certain things is determined by the condition of your heart. If you've come out of a home where you never, ever uh, experienced appreciation, then it is going to be harder for you to sustain that with your husband or your wife. And there might be an ongoing sense of it's just never enough. I need more. It's not just about you and your relationship. It's also about the condition of your heart. That means that your ability to stay in love has as much to do with the condition of your heart as it has to do with the behavior of your partner or spouse. Both are vitally important. The relationship won't work without both. But we naturally monitor the behavior. We do not naturally monitor our hearts. And when the blue beads come out, and we don't like what comes out of us, and so we say, if you would quit doing that, then those beads wouldn't come out. But the truth is, you brought them with you into the relationship. So without understanding this, no amount of commitment or, or a, um, raw energy of willpower will compensate for this dynamic. And, and you, you may stay together, you may decide that we're against divorce, and um, so we will never, ever let that happen. And you will force yourself to stay together, and you will tape yourself together with should, and you will cohabitate. But the goal that we're talking about is staying in love, not just staying in the same house. We're trying to create a recipe for sticky love, how to stay together. So now listen how Solomon ends this verse. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything um, you do flows from it. Everything you do in your relationship, everything you do romantically, everything you do over the course of your day, everything you do flows from your heart. So when you are in a relationship with another person, your relationship is the overflow of your heart. And Jesus says the very same thing, Matthew 15, right? He says, all these things come out into our actions. They become visible, but they all come from our heart. We are defiled by what is in our hearts, not simply by what we do. So everything you do is the overflow of your heart. So if your heart isn't in good shape, it is going to be almost impossible to maintain healthy relationships. You need to deal with your heart. What's in you is going to come out of you 
regardless of who's with you. You can interchange the parts and the pieces. You can uh, change the people up. But as long as you are there, eventually what's in you will come out of you. So if you're interested in staying in love, it is so important for us to learn to pay attention to and to guard our hearts. So today, um, I'm going to give you a little exercise um, that we can start to use to train our heart monitoring. How can we do this? How does it actually happen? So this is part of what uh, it, it takes to be a maturing believer. This is uh, going to help you grow in your pursuit of Jesus. This will aid you in developing your faith. And if this, um, this is a key to finding and then holding on to that sticky love. So to staying in love, that's our goal, right? There are a couple of parts to this. So you, you've heard the old adage, think before you speak, right? Well, part one, stop and think about what you are feeling before you speak. Now, guys, I know uh, a little of how this works for us, okay? So we say, well, I'm just frustrated. Ever said that? How are you feeling? Frustrated, right? What else? Nothing. Just frustrated. And then we say, okay, well, I'm not angry. If that's what you're asking, I'm not angry. Well, okay, maybe I'm a little bit angry, right? So mostly frustrated, but a little bit angry too. Are those the only two emotions? You go, uh, pretty much. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. And well, I can have happy emotions too, but if we're talking about negative emotions, it's frustrated and a little angry. And this might be a little bit easier for the ladies. They tend to be a little bit more uh, emotionally intuitive. That doesn't mean that they're more emotional means that they have a better grasp on what some of these things mean. So to start with, I want to help you increase your vocabulary so that you have words to say beyond frustrated and sometimes a little angry. Here are some other emotions that any of us, um, boys or girls, men or women, any of us, if, if you can use these to help you identify exactly what you are feeling, then it's so much easier to go forward. So we learn to name our emotions. So you and your spouse, you have a bump again, right? And now you start to feel the volcano rising, right? Watch out, little blue beads. Here it comes. I'm going to explode again. Now, what specific emotion do you feel? Anger. Yeah, we know about that one, right? How about left out? See, right, that takes a whole different tone, right? It changes the way that we hear it. What about embarrassed? What about exposed? underappreciated, ugly, self-conscious, unlovable. I feel like a failure. Every time you start talking to me about your, my brother-in-law and, and all that he, you know, I, I, I feel like he is successful and I'm not. And when I hear you talking about those things he is going on and how good it's going for him, I feel myself just starting to get angry. And it's not, it's not that I don't like him. I don't, I don't want to feel compared to him. Or I, I feel like a failure. I feel like my accomplishments don't matter. I feel old. I feel stupid. Lonely. Abandoned. I'm scared. And I don't want to admit it. I thought I was just frustrated, but the truth is, I'm scared. And I'm scared of you knowing 
that I feel scared. I feel out of control. I feel betrayed. I feel picked on. You know what? To be honest, I'm feeling generous, jealous. I'm feeling disrespected. Don't those words help to bring a greater clarity to what you're actually feeling, what's really going on in your heart? And do you think that if you could identify things more clearly, that might really help you in understanding what's going on? So to guard your heart, we need to identify what is really going on inside. How can we guard and defend if we don't know what it is that we are watching for? What does the enemy look like? What what are these beads that spill out? What is this stuff? I don't want to fight about it. The bump happened, right? Stuff came out. Now I got to pause, all right? I need to figure out what just happened. What just came out of me? What is that stuff? I need to identify it and I need to name it. I finally figured it out. I feel insecure. I finally named it. Okay, so first you identify it, and the next thing you do is you say it out loud. Because we're processing this whole thing in our minds, right? Name it. I feel jealous. That's what I feel. I feel like a failure, right? And as long as your emotions stay secret, and they stay buried and and, and unnamed, they hide behind anger. And those emotions are powerful, right? Those hidden emotions are powerful, and they drive you. They drive what you say. They drive what you don't say. They send you into a funk and they shut you down. You just sort of clam up. You, you, you cripple and, and it's, it's all over with. And, and I don't, I don't want to be near anybody. I want everybody to go away from me. I need to, I need to be alone. I want, I want to punch something. I want to hide under a blanket. Stop looking at me. They drive you to say things that you wish that you had never said. You say things or you do things that you so badly wish you could just pull back and undo. They are powerful. But when you start to identify them, when you shine a light on them, when you name them out loud, they begin. This is not the whole process, okay? But they begin to lose their power. Something else happens. When you begin naming them, When you begin looking specifically at them and not just the fog, you know what you start to realize? You know what? The reason that my wife talks about her brother is not because she's trying to make me feel something bad. My wife just loves her brother. This is not about me. This is not about what she said. This is about what's going on in me. And I need, to, I need to own this one. Now, if that scenario rises up again, I am more able to recognize it. I can see it coming. And I can be more able to guard my heart. Now, why is it that his success seems to make me feel like such a failure? Well, you know what? I need to figure that out. That's a question that I would like the answer to. And here's what you might discover. Oftentimes, much of, not all of, but much of what you feel is stuff that you brought into the relationship. It frequently has nothing to do with your husband or with your wife, with your partner. 
Their words or actions just revealed what was already there. There is huge freedom when you begin to discern the difference between what was said and what you feel. But as long as it's a secret, it will run your life and it will drive deeper and deeper a wedge between you and the person that you committed to love for the rest of your life. Don't kid yourself, though. This is really hard. It is hard to say out loud. My anger protects me, right? It it protects me from feeling exposed and vulnerable. Anger feels strong, but what I'm really feeling is weak, and I'm covering it up. And part of our reluctance to name it out loud is that we know that as soon as we we do that, the whole experience is just going to go through a power drop. When we get angry, we get amped up, right? And when when I'm amped up, I feel strong, and I feel safe, and I feel righteous even. When I name it, I know that that's going to let some of the air out of that. And I'll have to be accountable for more of the problem. If I name it, I'm going to feel exposed. And I don't want that to happen. And so I hold back. I'm reluctant. I'm not sure that I can trust you with my weakness. You might take advantage. The other reason that we don't want to say it out loud is because we also know we lose our excuse. Because honestly, I kind of want to stay mad, right? I can't seem to just shake it off, so I'm kind of lingering there. And I want to use my anger. I want to use my power from my anger to control your behavior. This is hard. There are challenges in all of this. So we identify and we, and we name what we are really feeling. And, and then we, 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 we name it out loud. And then the third part, when it's appropriate, you tell your partner. That's about timing. Here's what that conversation looks like, okay? So we come back over here. And Mr. Mug says, Mrs. Mug, when you say those things, you remember when the blue beads came out? Yeah. When you say those things, I just feel unappreciated. My reaction's bad, I know that. I know my reaction's bad. But those kinds of words, they make me feel unappreciated. And just like you, I want to feel appreciated. These are my feelings. And there's no bad feelings, right? There's just feelings. So when someone you love says to you, when you do this, it makes me feel a certain way, This is not a criticism of you. It's just an observation. And and, and if that makes uh, you get all defensive and, and, and all shaky and you start to release the pink beads again, well, that's a pink bead problem. When Mr. Mug says, when you do certain things, it makes me feel a certain way, that's just an observation. And when someone opens up to you in that kind of a way, that kind of vulnerable way, do you know what the proper response is? The proper response is, I'm so glad you told me. And that's the hardest part. 
You wait. You don't say anything else. I'm so glad that you were willing, that you took the effort to figure it out. I'm so glad that you were willing to share that with me. I know you must feel exposed and vulnerable. Now, here's what you don't say. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. It's, I'm so glad you told me. Because healthy people, when they discover that something they do or something that they say elicits a negative emotion from their partner, when it releases hurt in their beloved, when they discover that, healthy people quit doing it. They don't say, well, you're just going to have to learn to deal with it, right? You should grow up. You should be more mature. They quit doing it. I want you to stay in love. I want you to experience sticky love in your relationships. I want to help you go from just surviving in relationships to thriving in them. And so here's what I want you to do to move in that direction. Start paying attention to your heart. I know that you're going to continue to pay attention to his or her behavior. That's already taken care of, right? You've mastered that skill set. Now I want you to, this week, I want to challenge you to start paying attention to your heart. Answer this question. What exactly am I feeling? Then I want you to say it out loud. And then I want you to look at what happened, um, what did they do to elicit the beat explosion, right? Then look at it. I think that maybe this isn't a marriage problem. I think that maybe this isn't a relationship problem. I think maybe it's a heart problem. God, help me overcome what's inside of me. Because your ability to stay in love is as much to do with the condition of your heart as it is to do with the behavior of your partner, your spouse. Your ability to stay in love with anyone has as much to do with the condition of your heart as the behavior of the other person. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. What's in you is going to come out of you. So stick in love. To stick in love. We need to pay attention to what's going on inside. Would you please consider what's inside of you that gets so stirred up when she says, when, when he says, when, when she does, when, when he does, when she doesn't say, when he doesn't say. Will you pay attention? Will you pray, God, by your grace, show me what that bead was. I'm going to name it. I'm going to speak it out loud so I can hear it with my own ear. And then when it's appropriate, I'm going to share that with the person that I love the most. I'm going to tell them how that made me feel. And because they love you, perhaps 
they will say, I'm so glad that you told me. I never want to make you feel that way again. Guard your heart. That's the, one of the keys to staying in love. Heavenly Father, I know that this is going to uh, land in all kinds of different places today. Father, for some of us, uh, this is going to explain a little bit more about the family that we grew up in. For some of us, this might show us something in our current relationship. Some of us, Father, we now have a new goal to shoot for. For wherever we, we land on this spectrum, would you give us the courage to guard our heart, to view what is on the inside, to accept that the battle in our heart has come with some stuff that we brought into this relationship. Please give us eyes to see the way that you see. Please give us the boldness to respond in the way that you would want us to respond. And I pray that we would be men and women that have positioned ourselves to be the, to the best of our abilities, to love like you, to love with a pure, a clean, whole, and complete heart. Thanks for the relationships that you have brought into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. May the example of Christ drive you, focus you on the relationships that you were born to have. For some of us, it takes more of a fight to get to them. But those relationships are yours. To stick together in. To feel connected in. To sense your safety and your belonging. Every time you feel that, it's a reflection of the way that God looks at you. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Uh, thanks for being here today. Thanks for celebrating Thanksgiving with us. It was great to have you here. So much better. It's better when you're here. Better when we're together. So thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. As you go today, again, I want to remind you, you don't just walk out. I'm going to send you. You, you, you have a place to go. You have something to do. And as you go, I want you to remember that we are Christ-focused. We are spirit-empowered. And we are mission-focused. And that mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time.